Hello and welcome to this very first Erwin Mitchell podcast. We are here to keep you up to date with legal and financial news that matters to you. My name is Zara Pabani. I am a family law partner and an ambassador for the firm. I'm in the hot seat this week as we talk about the recently announced plans for no-fault divorce. To do that, I'm delighted to be joined today by fellow family lawyer Tara Smith and Marcy Shawl, who supports separated parents in her role as a coach at Rolling Stone Coaching. So before we kick off and talk about this incredibly important topic, I thought it would be good to hear from you guys as to what you found most challenging during this pandemic and what you've got joy from and what has been positive. So Marcy, turning to you first. Absolutely. Well, um, I think the hardest thing has been a negotiation of time with my husband, who uh, we we've now have to share an office and we've got two kids downstairs that need needed homeschooling. Um, so that negotiation of time, you know, my work's important. No, my work's important has been quite tricky at times, but we've we've managed to get through it. And the best thing actually has been has been about spending time with my kids and learning to do things that really we had no idea how to do together, like baking bread and bagels we learned how to bake bagels who knew you had to boil them before you bake them wow that's amazing thanks marcy tara what about you well i think the most challenging for me is is working from home and and switching off from work especially because you see your laptop in the corner and you're so tempted on that sunday morning or afternoon to jump back on and, and do a few more emails uh, but the one thing that i've loved is uh, i was fortunate enough to to get married 10 days before lockdown so uh, I've been able to spend a lot of time with with my husband and, you know, it's going well. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And coming from a divorce lawyer, you know, that's great Absolutely. to hear. And uh, and you've had an extended honeymoon. So that's fantastic. Uh, uh, for my part as well, for me, the holy grail was working from home. That's what everybody wanted to do. We wanted to do it 24-7. And now we've got it. Bring back the office. I mean, I'm all for working from home a little bit. But as you say, Tara, it's the switch off time. There's no boundaries or barriers. And the positives, again, Marcy, I'd agree with you. I've discovered the most amazing forest walk with my daughter. It would never have happened had but for this time. So that's really great. Now, let, let's go on to talk about what we're here to talk about today. So listen, let, let's get into this. I mean, this has been 30 years in the coming. We have been challenging and campaigning and really going for this as family lawyers. No fault divorce. And to be honest, as a country, we are a little behind the times in family law. And we're still working on laws that were brought in in 1973. I mean, people, the world has moved on since then. And finally, I'm so excited to say that as of last week, no fault divorce is a real thing. But Marcy, I've got to bring you on in here. Divorce affects parents who are co-parenting and therefore children in such dramatic ways that are unfathomable, really. And, And I know that you are at the coalface of this. So what do you think it means now to have no fault divorce? How is that going to affect people who are separating and trying to still work with co-parenting their children? Is it going to make a difference? It's a great question and it's not black and white. I think it's really important that we celebrate that we have no fault divorce, that, you know, suddenly there's a kind of amicable route that we can go down. We don't have to play the blame game. And I think not having to play the blame game has a really big impact potentially on the family system um, and therefore the children. However, I think the thing that many of us are forgetting is that, you know, For a child, 
even if their parents are divorcing amicably, their parents are still divorcing. Okay, yeah. so the, the the child is still going to have parents living in two different houses. They are still going to have to move between houses. They are still going to have to think about what stuff is at each other's house. The rules are different to each house. So, you know, so the impact potentially is the same unless the parents are, you know, absolutely on it and think about this um, when they're divorcing. So just because it's a no-fault divorce doesn't mean that there's going to be any less impact on the kids. And I think we really, really need to bring that in here. Oh, I understand that, Marcy. But, I mean, don't you think that rather than starting off with the blame game, having a positive start-off and shoot-off from the beginning, it's going to have some form of positive impact, don't you think? Absolutely. I think the fact that, you know, they don't have to put down, um, you know, unreasonable behaviour, unreasonable behaviour or adultery or anything like that is is a really, really good starting point. Um, And I think, you know, if we can if we can work with I'm a co-parent coach, just to say um, that, you know, work with people who are, you know, from that energy, from that positive place, it's really um, it's a really good starting point. But, you know, just because it's an it's a no fault sure. divorce doesn't necessarily mean that it will always be amicable. So the things that you put in place at the start are really important. Tara, let's let's just jump into the practical realities of this. If somebody wants to get divorced today or tomorrow and they want to do it on a no fault basis, what are they going to do? How do they do this? Okay, so it's really important to mention that just because this law has been passed, it's it's not implemented yet. So you can't go out and and get a no fault divorce now tomorrow it's going to take time for the government to implement it so that means rule changes form changes uh, the online divorce proceedings yeah, that you can issue online uh, that needs a lot of work as well because it is a bit clunky at the moment um, so people are expecting this to come in and, and to be used every day in about october next year so october 2021 so it's not something you can go out and, and get done now Um, And like anything, there's going to be a few teething problems with it as well. So got to expect that. Okay, well, that's really important for people to know. But that's not always how it's delivered in the press or otherwise. But tell me this then. And how do you actually do it? Do you do it together? Do two people do it together? Does one person do it on their own? What are the timescales? So with the new the new law, no fault divorce, you can do it together which is great, or or separately. So you've got that option. Uh, If you are amicable and you want to go through the divorce procedure together, you have that option Uh, and you can prepare the application together. Um, Once that's been sent to the courts, you've got a 20 week period of minimum of reflection. So at that point, you can decide if divorce is really for you. Uh, If you want to get marriage counselling or attempt a reconciliation, great. You've got that time to really a cooling off period, if you like. And that's different, isn't it, Tara? They don't. People don't have that right now. Yes, exactly. Yes, they don't have that right now. Um, you can just you can fast track it as much as you want, really. The only delay is between getting the the first stage of the divorce and the final stage, which is when the marriage is dissolved. There's a six week period there, uh, but this this twenty week period is is very positive for couples. Brilliant. Thank you. That's really helpful. So, Marcy, coming back to you, I mean, we picked up on this a little bit earlier about. Some people are still going to say, I, I want to be the, I want to do the blame game. 
I, for me, to get through this process and to be brave and call my marriage a day, for me to do that, I need to say why. I need to say adultery. I need to say unreasonable behaviour. As a coach, Marcy, what would you encourage people in this scenario? What would you be advising them now they've got this new option? How do you think people should proceed? I think really, I would. the first thing I would say to them is think about your kids, okay, if they have kids. Um, and really, what's the impact you're having on your kids? What are you trying to achieve in the short term? What's the long term impact? Because if you're trying to make yourself feel a lot better by saying my husband or my wife was an adulterer and, you know, it, this wasn't my fault. Well, actually, you know, that person is still very much part of your child's makeup. If you don't have kids, you know, everything you say now still has an impact in the future. So just think about, you know, how do you want to be in two years time, in three years time? What do you want your life to look like? How do you want to show up in the world? And and it, does this now, this current situation, fit in with that? That's really helpful. Thanks, Marcy. So Tara, coming back to you, it can't always be advantageous to do a no-fault divorce, okay? We've got these other options still there. They're still law. What are the pros to a no-fault divorce and what are the cons to it? Talk me through those. I think the pros are from what Marcy said, you know, it keeps things amicable. Uh, they've got to think about, you know, their children uh, and the effects that hostility of, of one blaming the other can have on their relationship. And, and a pro is that they, they've got other things to discuss. You know, there's financial separation that they need to think about as well. There's contact arrangements with children. If you're starting the divorce process very angrily, uh, that's just going to continue and flow throughout the whole process. So that's de a definite pro. Um, and we've all had clients, I'm sure, where uh, they, they want to separate, but they don't want to blame each other. And this gives them the possibility to get things moving quicker and easier. Um, some cons are, I've had a couple of people say that uh, it undermines the institution of marriage, this, this concept of no-fault divorce, because it will make it easier um, for people to escape marriage um, but I think you know people don't take the, the decision to divorce lightly um, and I don't think this legislation will encourage people to uh, use it as a jail free get out of jail free card if you like uh, so I, I think that con for some people there's there's it's really a pro as well because if people don't want to be in a marriage it gives them the option to get out of it quicker and easier yeah that makes sense that makes sense um, the other difficulty, isn't it, Tara, as I understand it and help me out with this, if somebody wants to get divorced and use no-fault divorce, they can put it forward. If that other person doesn't want to get divorced, what can they do? So this this new law removes the ability for you to, to defend it or contest the divorce, um, which, you know, it's, it's great for domestic abuse victims because that perpetrator's control of that person is gone because that's really their last ditch attempt of trying to keep this person under their control. So I think for domestic abuse victims, that's great. Um, for other examples is I've, I've got a, a client in their late seventies who's been married for a very long time, over 50 years and, and their spouse has filed for divorce uh, and they were very upset and distressed about it. If that was under the new law, they wouldn't be able to, to defend it or, you know, wave their hands up in the air and say, hang on a minute, I don't like this. Um, but, the, you know, there's a protective method, uh, factor if there's a 20 week period. Um, so sure. they, they've got that time then. So 
even the cons you can you can change into a positive. I just think it's a very good piece of legislation that's moving with the times. Um, so I agree I with you. Positive. I agree. And it's about choice, isn't it? People have got to have some choice and sometimes some level of control, as you say, in domestic violence situations. Yeah. Um, Marcy, I want to bring you back in here. Coaching is such an important element, I think, of looking at people when they're going through any sort of family trauma, whether it be divorce, separation or otherwise. I wouldn't say everybody immediately thinks about a coach. Why do you think in that scenario, in any scenario when people are divorcing or separating, why is coaching is important? What, what does it do? What can it bring to the table? Really simply, it's all about early intervention. So the sooner you start a process, whether it's coaching um, or therapy in other cases, um, you put into place a different a, a kind of a really good way of communicating with each other, which basically enables things to happen more smoothly, more positively and um, more collaboratively in short. And the reason that coaching is different from therapy is because it looks at where we are now. So in the divorce or in the separation and where we want to get to it doesn't dwell in the story of why everything happened. And that can be quite nice for people when they're trying to keep it amicable when they're going down the no-fault divorce route. Um, so early intervention is key. And when you think about that in terms of couples that are divorcing who have children, that early intervention minimises any negative impact on the kids because from straight from the, from the outset, mum and dad or mum and mum or whatever the makeup of the unit is, can discuss together how they want to separate and how they're going to continue to work together to bring up their kids and understand the impact of that rather than if they just leave it um, the potential of things becoming uh, more disagreeable if you like increases and when it becomes more disagreeable there's a bigger impact either on the couple that are divorcing or the children of the couple that are divorcing. Yeah that makes sense that makes sense. Tara bringing you back in do you think there's going to be a rush of people? I mean, have lots of people been waiting for no-fault divorce? I mean, they're going to be waiting longer, as you've said earlier on in this uh, in this conversation, that we're still going to be waiting till I don't know, autumn next year until we're actually going to be able to file for divorce on this basis. Do you think people have been waiting a long time? Do you think there's going to be a rush of people next year? I think initially there will be an increase, absolutely. Um, I don't think it would be something that there's anything to worry about. Um, and for those people that think it, it does undermine the institution of marriage, I think there will be a, an increase to begin with, because there's a lot of people out there that either haven't succeeded in, in getting past the first stage of, of divorce proceedings because the court have said that, you know, what behaviour they're intending to re rely on isn't strong enough. Um, and those people who do, don't want to blame each other and they are waiting for that two years separation period to, to lapse, I think, you know, it gives them the opportunity to, to get in there and, and get things moving quicker than they originally anticipated. So, yeah, I think there will be a bit of a rush to begin with, but I don't think it will be um, a, a continuing one. So, Marcy, let me bring you in here. Tell me, what have you seen on the ground during this COVID time in terms of people going through um, separation or divorce? Have you seen an increase in people coming to you? I mean, people have talked about the fact that after COVID, we're going to see a baby boom, which would be really exciting. And I think that's a real positive. Uh, but also people have talked about the fact that we might see uh, an increase in divorce rates. What have you been seeing on the ground? 
interestingly, not an increase in clients wanting to get divorced um, so far. I think that people have done some really awful things. You know, people have been weaponizing COVID to so they can withhold access to their kids from 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 the other parent. Um, I've seen you know lots of kind of renegotiations of contact arrangement, which have arrangements which have been quite hairy at times. Um, what I also have seen on the flip side of that is really great ways that people have actually worked together so they can all see the children and the family units and the extended family units. And what it's made me realize is that, you know, we are adaptable as a species when we're able to be in our kind of, when we're able to be in control and obviously the pandemic means that we can't be in control. So we've taken control in the bits where we can and we've taken opportunities in it. Um, so no, I've not seen increase in um, people wanting to get divorced at all. I worry slightly that that might happen when everything kind of reopens again. Interestingly, the social media conversations that have been going on have been all about, you know, oh, my husband's driving me crazy or I couldn't believe I have to spend this much time with my wife. But in reality, I don't know. I don't think I I don't think we will see a massive increase. And that's interesting, Marcy, because I'm asked as a family lawyer constantly whether I will or not. And I agree with you. I'm not convinced either. And that's a good thing. You know, I think yes. in times of crisis, people come together, people come together and and, and people find ways of coping and managing and yes you see the best and worst in people but actually I'm I'm I think people will get divorced hopefully still for the right reasons but not just because of what we've been through I mean and I hope that's true but but time will tell obviously um Tara so in terms of somebody thinking listen I want a divorce this is what I want to do right now it's such a big step for people to take it's such an important step and there's been this new legislation what advice would you give to people at the start of this journey, at the start of the brave step they're going to take? What advice would you give to them? Uh, my advice is that they've got various options available to them. And I would always recommend uh, speaking to a specialist family law solicitor uh, who can give them that advice. You know, it, in this time, uh, a lot of firms are offering uh, free initial appointments, you know, for 20, 30 minutes just to give you an overview of what the process is and, and what you're potentially going to embark upon. Um, and, you know, that can open up conversations with their spouse or loved one about whether that is the right thing that they want to do. Um, but I'd always recommend taking advice from, from a solicitor, a family law solicitor. That makes sense. And that's helpful. And Marcy, how does someone go about even finding a coach, let alone thinking about a coach? And you talked earlier about the difference a little bit between coaching and therapy. How does one, how does a client know what they need? How do they even start to think about getting help beyond their lawyer? I mean, I'm hoping that, and I know that lawyers refer their clients to you, which I think is really great. I think as, as a lawyer looking, taking a holistic approach and seeing what the all round needs of your client are is really, really important. But from a client's perspective, how do they even start? How do they know what they need and where do they go find it? How do they know what they need? Well, by having an initial conversation with a coach or a therapist, the coach or the therapist should very quickly be able to tell whether they need therapy or not or coaching. Um, so that's kind of that's the responsibility of the coach or the therapist. Um, definitely. How do they find coaches? How do they find therapists? I mean, Google is is uh, is a kind of a minefield, isn't it? So speaking to friends, 
being very specific in what you're looking for, finding the collaborative bodies like Resolution, um, who will have a whole list of people and therapy centers and coaching and coaches. Um, also Kafka's websites, they're really full of information. Um, and just think about whether you, as a client, if you're the person getting divorced, what is it you want to achieve? Do you want to enable your best self to kind of step forward and live a, as full a life as you, you want to and as you are able to uh, or not? And if, you are, if the answer is yes, then go and get some help. Go and get someone to work with you. And I think what I'd really like to say is take the stigma away from yourself. Getting a coach or a therapist at this really, really difficult time in your life is probably one of the best things that you can do. I had a coach when I was getting divorced and she wasn't a divorce coach. She wasn't a co-parent coach. But oh my goodness me, did I get some tools that were really, really useful. And it enabled me to just you know, make these decisions about my child that I just thought, you know, I could be awful about my ex-husband, but what does that achieve? So just think about how you want to show up in the world, where you want to be in three years time and, and work back from that point to see if you want to get help or not. Thank you so much for that, Marcy. That was real personal insight. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Do you think people who have started divorce proceedings and are going to feel really unhappy about this new law coming in? Or do you think they're going to be able to stay? Do you think it's going to affect people in a negative way, this new law coming in? No, I think it's a really, really positive thing. I think it's absolutely right. There should be no fault divorce. I have many clients that are divorced who didn't want to blame each other. Why do we need to blame each other if nobody's done anything wrong? If there are two adults in a relationship that want a divorce, why can't they get a divorce? It, in the system at, before no-fault divorce came through infantilized people. And I feel very, very strongly that this is a positive thing, gives people back control, enables people to be adults and make decisions about their own lives. And Tara, in terms of this new legislation, what do you think? What do you think the next thing should be? Where do you think the government should go next in terms of looking at law reform? This has taken so long to come in, almost 30 years. What's the next big thing on the agenda? I think from my perspective, the next big thing is, is cohabitation and the rights of people who are living together, who aren't married, because there's this myth of a common law spouse where people have been living with their partner for you know 10 plus years, they assume that they've got higher rights and they're entitled to, to certain things on separation. So I definitely think that is, that is a big issue. Uh, but no fault divorce took 30 years, so don't hold your breath. Thank you so much. Thank you both of you for your helpful insight and for really helping me uh, engage the people who are listening today on this really important topic of no fault divorce. It's finally here, it's here to stay. We're, it's going to take some time to implement and we're going to see it more towards the end of next year. But this is a good thing, people. And I, for one, am delighted to see this law reform. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening to this Erwin Mitchell podcast. If you found it interesting, then please do join us again for our next episode. But until then, stay safe, stay well. Thank you. Thank you.